Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And today I have joining me all the way from Brisbane in Australia, I have Katish Haberfield. Welcome, Katish. Thank you for joining us on Life After Life. Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. You're more than welcome. And, you know, people that are listening will so enjoy this conversation because um katish is a quantum soul therapist okay and she's going to explain more about that but part of what she talks about and i will link her website in in the description box attached and part of what she's going to talk about is you know things that you've brought with you from other lives which i have totally get get into but maybe some of demons and curses and hexes and all of this and while i've said that i'm not necessarily a believer because i don't have any personal experience I'm open to learning all the time. So I'm really welcoming this uh, conversation today, Katish. Thank you so much. So can I first ask you about a little bit about your background? I mean, have you always been a quantum soul therapist? How did you get into it? Where did it come from? Mm, no, I haven't always been a quantum soul therapist. Uh, my background is actually as a university lecturer. Um, wow. So I used to, used to teach uh, MBA level marketing. So this is <laughs> this is uh, yeah. this is this is not um, what I intended to do in life. Um, I think that from a young age I got the idea of teaching. It was part of what I was meant to do because I kept following this path of uh, teaching and strategy. So I was also a management consultant. Uh, I've worked in the wine industry. I've like been one of those hodgepodge people, jumping from career to career to career trying to find what it was that I was here to do and always being seemingly blocked in the career paths that I would choose. So I would have, if you imagined you had a friend at school, right, who was the person that they said or at university or you met in a work and they're like, this person here shows real leadership potential. This person should be either owning their own company, their CEO of a company or something. They've got everything that they, we need in this role or whatever. And then stepping back and being flabbergasted as why this person didn't work out in any of their jobs. Yes. Why this person always seemed to be blocked. Nothing would work out for them in terms of career why this person would always have disastrous bosses or be put in really weird and awkward situations, relationships that just imploded. Like uh, when I look back at my life since leaving school, I see that I had a blessed and wonderful education and childhood and that I have felt as though I was being tested like literally somebody was trying to make me insane because everything that I did, I'm a student of everything. I study, I read books, I do programs, I do courses and everything that I implemented, no matter what you want to talk about, be it Tony Robbins or be it uh, anything that you can imagine in the spiritual realm where you've followed a formula, thousands of other stu students have created 
whatever it is in their life that they wanted to, I have been the one exception to that. And so this began to put a question in my mind, what is going on? And so what I do today is a result of me continually going, what is going on? <laughs> what is happening to me? What is there in the energy fields around me that I don't understand that may or may not be impacting me? And I guess it's from being acutely observing how people react to you in life. Mm -hmm. So we can go through oblivious about how people perceive us or we can be very astute with uh, energy. And so I've always been quite aware when people liked me or really disliked me. Uh, I've always been really aware when I walk into a room, I can tell the energy. I can perceive exactly how my energy is compared to other people's energy. And I know immediately uh, when I feel welcome or unwelcome. And so it was simply beginning to study energy is what led me down this path in a, in a shortened version because I wanted to know who am I really, what could be impacting me, why, and could anybody else on earth be <laughs> experiencing the same sorts of things that I am experiencing. Yeah, so it's just about really being aware of yourself and then saying, what, why, you know. And so because you were experiencing this in your career, you decided to look at it more intensely and that opened up this other career for you. And that's amazing. Correct. And I, I love hearing people's backstories because, you know, I've always said it. Now, there are some young people working. I particularly work in the psychic and the mediumship um, area myself. And there's a lot of young people who are excellent working in, in, in that area. Don't get me wrong. But for me personally, it was kind of being in the world, getting as much life experience and bringing that to what you do for other people. And like that's invaluable. So I love that you have that background. And I came from a third level education background myself as well. So we yes. got that in common. So can you explain to us, I know maybe that, I, I don't know if quantum soul therapy, if that term covers everything that you do, but would you start explaining, if you wouldn't mind, what does quantum soul therapy mean? Okay, so quantum soul therapy means that um, I look at you, not just from your current lifetime, but all of the lifetimes that you have had on planet Earth and or in other locations, non-Earth locations. Okay, so what I do is I examine your soul. When we come to each planet, um, we form part of 12 souls who are known as a monad. Okay. Now, a monad, um, so you will be part of a monad. And these are the people that are like your soul family while you're on, on Earth for this particular set of jobs, I call it, uh, when we're on Earth. Sure. You personally as a soul have 144 incarnations on this planet unless you choose to come around again and do another monad and be another 144 incarnations. So what I do is I have a look and I say, if you are more than the sum of this lifetime, what is going on for you? Where do you feel things aren't right in your life? that could be simultaneously happening in other lifetimes. 
that are impacting you right now. So we know that time is not linear. All time is in the now present moment. Okay. So if you are, let's take me as an example, 47 years old, all of the incarnations that are currently alive and present, meaning they are people from your other incarnations who are less than 47 years old, so they haven't died in their incarnation, their lifetimes are actively affecting you here and now because you're one energy body. God, wow. <laughs> Once that person has died, it's less of an impact, but your current incarnations actually affect you with limiting beliefs um, and uh, anything that is going on in their lifetime thought-wise, energy-wise can impact you. So let me give you an example. Let's pretend you are a Roman soldier, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Soldiers, by their definition, are doing a job, whether they like it or not. Uh, and it involves a lot of intense thought, which is about war and is about uh, tactical, strategic man maneuvers to achieve a goal, whether they like it or not. And there's a lot of death, right? Yeah. And as you know from working in the, the world of talking to spirit, um, when you're uh, surrounded by death, you're surrounded by a lot of people who haven't gone to the light mm -hmm. as well as those who have gone to the light that are trying to help you. But um, soldiers get um, affected via the negative energy of the intensity of the war situation. So any thoughts that they have create negative energy. So you can imagine if you could see the energetic field of a battlefield, it would just be intensely red and black and sharp arrow looking because it's the negative energy around them, right? Sure. So that negative energy actually impacts the soldier because of the, the thought streams and our thoughts actually create physical beings, okay? In, enough intense energy can create tulpas, which is a thought form, and all thought forms actually have physicality to them and can actually impact your aura. So enough negative energy can actually create beings which have the intention to harm. So when I say if you're currently incarnated as a Roman soldier and you're shooting people um, or you're being attacked, um, in some scenarios that energy can find you wherever you are incarnated because you're the same soul. So if you have got a bunch of enemies who are dead against you and have some kind of vendetta against you, maybe you're the general of some sort, mm -hmm. right? If there is enough hatred energy around you, any kind of entity, whether you believe it or not, can track you and follow you and uh, follow the accords between you, you have an accord between you and all living beings into any incarnation. So you can be being attacked by uncrossed over Roman soldier ghosts who are still trying to kill you. Wow. Which I have had in my experience and my clients have. Yeah, so, no, for I, example, I get it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so that's that was very quick and in-depth. But, yes, basically I look at your soul and say, uh, with respect to privacy, I get permission from your higher self. And what I'm just looking for is uh, my client fields are very intense forms, which give me an indication of what's going on in their life. 
and then piece by piece we work out what is happening in other incarnations that is affecting them. And uh, the most intense kind of um, effect that people can have is uh, ghosts following them from incarnation to incarnation. Um, and they can be uh, attached to you. So, for example, if you were, let's keep going with this Roman soldier analogy just because it's an easy one. If you're on a battlefield, seven of your mates died right beside you, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the trauma of the of the battlefield, they were um, traumatised. They couldn't see the light. They couldn't see the angels or whatever you want to call the beings that escort you to the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So the safety, human beings, we exude an energy of safety especially people that we were close to in our current lifetime they will come straight to want to be with their with their battalion members and so they will basically um attach to you so they will come into your aura and they will stay there so their energy is attached to your energy okay and so the problem with that is apart from the fact that that soul needs to go back to source energy all of their thought forms, all of their illnesses and all of their wounds are now your energy field. Okay, so you're picking so up anything, energy. Yeah, so any diseases that they had are now in your energy field and you can, if they stay there long enough, um, begin to manifest their wounds, their illnesses. And also you then have any attachments that they brought with them. So a lot of the things that people are feeling and experiencing are actually from other lifetimes where they've had, say, ghosts attached to them. And I know this because I can hear and I can talk with these ghosts and find out their stories. Uh, And obviously it's my immediate priority to heal them and to return them to source energy. What, what I also find then is that uh, people who have these obstructions, I call them obstructions, is because say you have your teammate soldier uh, with you who's attached to you, anything that he is thinking or feeling still exists because he's still in his mind a living being. He's not accepted his death. He knows that he is an eternal mind stream, so he can still think. So he's going to try to influence you in your life either to get your attention so that he can explain that he's there or if he thinks that you're not doing what the other you should be doing he will try to influence you and so a lot of times when we feel things and we have experiences of emotions and thoughts especially when they're negative um it can be somebody else influencing our thought stream and so a lot of my job is to help people understand who are you as a base personality in this incarnation to get to know who you are as a personality over all other incarnations so that you can start to monitor your thoughts and emotions so that you begin the process of saying "Hmm, that thought there i don't know that that's mine because it seems a little harsh it seems a little rude it seems a little negative uh it seems to be a little trying to get to like somebody would observe me would say that's not part of her personality 
And when we actually remove attachments such as ghosts or, or any uh, negative thought forms or negative entities, you get a complete sense of freedom. What happens is you get mental space back and it becomes quiet in your head. Um, and you can begin to know yourself and your emotions. Physically, you can also, when we remove these um, thought streams, they've been there long enough or the people have been there long enough, you actually build up um, dis-ease or discomfort in your physical body. And when we remove the thought form or the person, you remove the pain. Okay. I like there's yeah, just like so much to unpack in that. Okay. You <laughs> go straight into it right now. This might be maybe too honest, but the thought that's um, rolling around in my head, okay? Like when someone's born with, in this life, say this lifetime that we're living on Earth, if someone's born here with a physical or a mental defect, say like, you know, like autism is on the rise, okay? Just to name just one thing. Do you think believe that this is something that may come from a, a previous life or an attachment from a uh, not necessarily previous that'll be the next thing we come on to but a different lifetime is this something that's attached to somebody's um energy it can possibly be so there's two scenarios one is that that person has chosen to have some kind of a uh impediment or defect Sorry, there's, there's three. The, the second one is that they've had an experience with it in the womb which has impacted their state when they were born. So that happened to me um, and I can go into that later. So I, I know that for pers for real that you can be impacted in the womb and, and have your incarnation changed based upon your experience in the womb. Um, because when you're in the womb, you have your mother and your father's energy which go down the umbilical cord. Mm -hmm. So if they've got anything, that can come in and touch to you as well negative energy, negative thoughts, attachments, um, particularly also so people who have had um, stillbirths, abortions, miscarriages, uh, phantom sort of pregnancies, if that hasn't cleared out of the system, uh, that can then become an, a form of attachment as well. Um, and some, I, I, I have interviewed ghosts um, on my podcast, um, uh, babies who have um, refused to go uh, after a, a pregnancy has either been terminated or accidentally terminated um, and they stick to the um, the womb and then when the next sibling comes through, they try and influence that incarnation because they refuse to let go. Wow. So um, that can be the case, yeah. You can come in from other incarnations. Um, basically, in one incarnation, if you attract a lot of ghosts, Let's just pretend you're a, a ghost hunter in one incarnation and you go to millions of cemeteries and you love it, but you don't realize the negative energy that you're attracting. Those attachments stay with you in all incarnations. Yeah, it's they go onto the soul template. It's amazing. So, yes. Yes. Okay. I it's mean, possible. It can be. It doesn't it's not, well, You'd have to look at each case. doesn't have to be. I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, the other thing that stuck out at me, and I think that our um, beliefs are similar, I just never thought of the lifetimes running parallel at the same time. So I've always thought of one lifetime, it finishes, then another lifetime, then it finishes and so on. Whereas what you're talking about is the lifetimes running parallel to each other, which has never even 
crossed my mind, you know. Um, yes. And you're saying that we can have up to 144 different incarnations running at the same time or in total? Um, so all, yes, time stacks. If you go okay. back and read Einstein, he will tell you, show you that time stacks. It's it's definitely, and don't, I'm not chastising you here. I also thought that one incarnation started, one incarnation finished, you know, you went up, back up and came back down. I like literally when I started researching myself, that's how I was trying to plot them all in. But it was only when I went really in depth that I understood that all incarnations are actually at the same time. It's just that our human brain can't cope with that. And our world is not designed to deal with that. But it's only when you actually go into, um, so I remove ghosts from people's houses, um, from buildings, from lands, and in order to clear a house properly, you can't just do the current time. You have to take time back in stacks since t until the earth was begun because the earth can contain the ghosts of animals, of um, any kind of being that has been on the land since the land was created. And you can have somebody who's being attacked in their house, um, which is a ghost from BC. I've had that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so it's not until you do something like that that you really get it because you're talking to someone and they're like 350 BC and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when I'm doing it, because I've never gone down that route of, of the ghosts, if you like, but like I'm always talking to people that are connected to the person, to my client. You know, I haven't gone back into, say, you know, people's houses or the energy, but it totally makes sense. Because if you think of the amount of people that lived before us that might be buried underneath us, even though we built our house, you know, there was nothing here on a field, but there was still a lot of history there, you know, uh, going back years. So it, it like it makes total sense when you think about it, really. So when you're talking about the um, the energies that's say the other ghosts that are connected and, you know, everything that you said has really resonated with me because I, I lost six babies, you know, and I did have um, a child after those six. No, after four of them, I had another child and then I lost two, I beg your pardon. And like now I'm sitting here wondering, oh, my God, is my son carrying anything that, that you know? So, you know, like I'm definitely going to look into this more. But um, so what was my question again? I, I, could, I go off on a tangent. Um, no, you're right. Take a second. Just take a second. You're fine. <laughs> and um, so like we're talking about the the if you want to call them ghosts that attach or the other beings that attach to our energy. Is this what you mean when you say demon? No, no. Could you explain um, that, the difference? A, what you, yeah, if you don't mind. Yes, sure. So a, a ghost is an earthbound spirit, is a human being who died, didn't go to the light. Um, they are not a demon. A demon is a pure negative entity, so negative energy. We live there, there is light and there is dark, right? You can feel when somebody's angry, right? So you know the energy of a, a, a negative thought of, of a negative thought and a negative emotion. So um, there are a whole range of entities of different types who exist, which are in the negative emotion side of the world. So they influence humanity negatively. Um, and generally speaking, they are... Um, created 
from a massive negative energy thought form, um, land that is not healed from bloodshed, um, intentional creation. So if you intentionally use your mind to wish negatively or ill on somebody else, mm -hmm. even if it's in jest, you are projecting thought form. The more your intention, the more your negative energy is focused on that, you are actually creating a thought form being. When enough energy creates with that thought form being, it becomes, um, I wouldn't use the word sentient, but it, it, it has a programmable forced direction. And um, the thing is that we're not meant to feel victimized about this, but the demons... And this has taken me a long time to get, so I don't expect people to understand it straight away. The demons or the negative energy, the negative entities show up in your life for a reason, okay? okay. If you can get away from the fear, all negative energy and negative entities show up when there is fear or when there is a lesson for you to learn. So if you can get past the fear associated with these beings being around you and them influencing your life and you can go in and say what is the root cause of this being or this entity this negative energy this blockage showing up in my life so that I can do two things I can find root cause responsibility what have I done what have I thought what have I said that was not loving and an impure intention against somebody else in this incarnation or a previous incarnation. You can go back through the work that I do and clean up that mess. Then we take it to the next level and we say, okay, if you did that to that person, why did they do that to you? And we can have a look at the root cause of that. Maybe you have been cycling around 10 times with a romantic lover trying to learn a lesson about compassion and the two of you haven't actually paid any attention to the signs and have just been completely life after life drawn by the energy you always drawn to the people you're with in other lifetimes it's because we've connected via the ACA cord mm -hmm. and you've gone okay let's sort this out this time nope haven't evolved enough just got my head in the sand this lifetime and you're repeating these patterns and so the energy flows and, and comes with you. And the real work is understanding <laughs> where to clean up your life, where to clean up your mess, and how in every single moment we have to have negative emotions. I'm not saying you don't have emotions, but really just being aware of the impact that you have on yourself and on others around you and being really intentional about your life. Um, because so much of our life... Uh, it's hard on earth and so much of our life um, we can get overwhelmed and when we get overwhelmed we, we, we drink a lot of alcohol, we do things to uh, for, that you know unwittingly or wittingly form addiction, smoke cigarettes, do drugs, do psychedelics, uh, become addicted to the internet, whatever it is, pornography um, and they are a form of escapism and when we're in this escapism world when we're inebriated, for example, we don't care about the consequences. We just want to relax. We just want to feel joy and we just want to get a break from the world. But it's in these altered states of consciousness that we actually do the most harm. Um, and in these altered states of consciousness, our, our defences are down. So um, when you're drunk, for example, and 
if anybody doesn't believe me, that's fine. I'm not here to convince you to believe you. But I have a podcast with 84 case studies and they're all videoed. So you can watch people go into a hypnotic state and me remove ghosts, uh, negative entities, deal with limiting beliefs. And uh, so I have a lady coming up um, in a few weeks' time on her podcast and we went back to a moment in time where she was drunk, right, at a bar. She lives in the United States. And I started interacting with a ghost. And I'm like, okay, dude, why are you here? Why are you attached to her? And he said, well, to be honest with you, she was at a pub. She was completely blotto and in a semi-conscious state. I needed a drink. <laughs> uh, I attached to her because she was easy and free and I could get the energy of the alcohol. I can't drink or eat because I'm dead, yeah. but I can think and I know that I'm addicted to alcohol and she's free and open. Her aura is down. Alcohol takes your auric shield down. Your auric shield is your immune system. So when you drink, smoke, do psychedelics, or do any drugs, go into altered states of consciousness, your immune system is reduced, which means that when you're completely sober and awake and uh, clean, you've got a strong aura, okay? Um, if you put yourself into a state where you use any of those substances, um, it makes your aura weaker and it's like they can try to get in and, and try to get in and um, they actually can make a hole in your aura. And then once you've got a hole, it's very hard to, to cool. heal that hole and let you heal your immune system. And so that's how ghosts get in. And like when you go to a bar, you're a free-for-all. Yeah, oh, 100%. And that's why I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> for that reason, but I don't. But, um, you know, and, you know, I've said it before, and even just for someone like me, like, you know, when I work, if I'm in a hotel or whatever, you know, even at not on, say, the level you're talking about, but... I even do get people, so I might be reading in a hotel and I'll go down and have lunch or dinner or whatever. I'll come back with six or eight spirits, you know, that attach because they know who they can attach to, don't they? You know, they yes. see it. They see it in the energy. So it's amazing. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, a very personal question, but not personal for me, um, more you, but I'm not um, asking you to heal me or anything. But I just want to throw out a real life example there, if it's OK with you. Um, mm -hmm. you know so, so maybe you know that that people can see is this something that this kind of healing or therapy can, can help with so I was actually told recently uh, in a coaching session that I have limiting beliefs around money okay yeah. and uh, I, I, I probably know that I do because my father okay he's not in my life he hasn't been in my life since I was six years old he is a gambler he always has been a gambler and we lost our house we lost lots of things and you know we grew up with less because of it even though he wasn't there so is this something is this his problem is this my problem is it his limiting beliefs my limiting beliefs like does this come from something that's attached to me or attached to him and i'm not asking you to heal me i know this would be that would be a big ask but i'm just trying to throw out a real life example that people can maybe you know, see, oh, yeah, that's something that, that would help me. Mm. So there's multiple things in play there. There is his experience with money, right? Yeah. And as parents, everything that we do, our children watch. And whether we like it or not, they form their own beliefs about themselves and about the world based upon their experience with you. 
Okay. So you can create a limiting belief about money based on what you have experienced watching your father and how it impacted your life. Okay. Because a limiting belief is just literally a belief that you have that says, this is true for me. Okay. And you believe it because it's real for you. Okay. And the reason that it's, it's called a limiting belief is it shouldn't be so. Um, you're, you're allowing your perceptions to be clouded because of your reality when what we're asking people to do is to see the reality that has been created for them or by them as a, um, a case study or a benchmark or a, a, a simulation mm-hmm. and knowing that you can create your own reality. But the difficult part is that limiting beliefs cannot be removed consciously. Okay, I don't care what anybody tells you. You have to go into the subconscious mind and the superconscious mind to remove those limiting beliefs. Now, um, the the conscious mind is deals with what happens when you're awake. Subconscious mind basically is a filing system that deals with every experience you've had in this incarnation. The superconscious mind is the filing cabinet of every experience you've had on every lifetime. So, yes, you may have issues with your dad from this lifetime that have created limiting beliefs, but probably you also have money limiting beliefs from other lifetimes. So I'll give you an example. I had a client who um, she was murdered and left behind small children, um, and she was murdered simply because she stole a piece of fruit from uh, a market stall in uh, the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, because she had no money. Uh And um, so that created a whole set of limiting beliefs around money. Um, And um, we, at that time, I was just doing uh, the regression therapy, went into hypnosis to go into the past life to to relieve that. Um, But yes, you have to go into the superconscious and the subconscious mind to actually remove limiting beliefs. And money is where it started for me uh, in terms of trying to understand money and money beliefs, because I did every program that I could possibly do on earth uh, about money and money consciousness. And I found that affirmations didn't work. I found that all abundance programs didn't work for me because it was working on the conscious level. And so then I tried the subconscious level and you know i dealt with the things in this lifetime that were based on uh, my experiences of growing up and then i found there were still money problems and so then i started going back into the superconscious mind and finding um, vows for poverty from lifetimes as monks i have many lifetimes as monks i've been a franciscan monk i've been a, a buddhist monk lots of monks and so they come with vows and not so what you need to understand is that a, a limiting belief you need to check is it just an experience that needs healing? So did you just experience something that has made you perceive the world a certain way? Can we correct that perception and tell you, um, firstly, who was around supporting you? So who are your spirit guides that were around trying to help you at that time? Secondly, what did it teach you that was important for your soul? Um, can we reframe that limiting belief? But most importantly, did you make an eternal vow? So you may have made a vow at your deathbed or have even said it out loud not realising what you were doing. Your words speak into action and create vows. I will never creates a vow. Never. I will never ever. 
Um, and so we need to go into the Akashic records, find your Akashic gatekeeper, open the record for that lifetime and revoke the vow. Ah, uh, I get it now. So it is, there is hypnosis involved, not saying it's everything that you do, but there would be hypnosis involved. Uh, I no, I don't do hypnosis anymore. So I will do hypnosis if I've got a brand new client who's never done hypnosis before so that they understand past lives. But now, now what I do is um, the quantum soul therapy. Uh, so I have um, studied the works of uh, a practitioner who was a doctor who ran a psychiatric institution. He was a psychiatrist and a medical doctor, ran a psychiatric institution in Brazil. And he created a system called Appometrics. Now, you'll find this interesting, and bear with me, but basically what he used was he healed all the people in his psychiatric institution from mental constructs without the use of medication. What they did was they had a team of mediums. And so the mediums would connect with the patient who was in their room, they had nothing to do with it, and they would connect with the uh, personality, the person, and see what attachments were there then the medium would embody the spirit and then they would send them to the light or they would heal whatever construct is there so i don't do that <laughs> that's too difficult um i do it myself and so the way that i started doing it and the way that i taught myself initially was to use a pendulum okay so um i learned uh basically over many years how to use a pendulum uh basic pendulum usage uh, and then I went and studied with, uh, read the books of Nick Salzman. And he, you, basically what he does is he took this South American fellow's work and taught people how to use a pendulum to do it themselves without having to use a medium so that you're not having a ghost enter you to find out the information. Uh, you're not embodying or bringing on a spirit into your body because I think that's dangerous. So uh, with this Appometrics protocol, you would use the pendulum to diagnose. So we have charts to diagnose what is there and then you would psychically capture what is there and remove it. What I've done since then, because that is really quite um, useful, but the next level is so because I started out as a sound healer in um I have done a lot of work with Tom Kenyon who works with the Hathas. And now the Hathas are uh, 10th to 12th dimensional beings who exist in non-duality. So they exist, sorry, my cats, don't do that to my skirt. Um, they exist in a state where there's only pure love. And so I've used sound healing to use the white light energy, which is in all my DNA and my cells. Uh, it's, called, um, it's called the biophotonic light to be able to, when I find a mental construct, a psychological construct, a negative entity or a device, I use the white light within my own body um, as I'm a vessel for source energy and I line up my spirit team, so spirit doctors, archangels, and um, I send out the white light which goes to the person that I'm working with and heals the constructs that are there. And if there's anything that needs to be surgically removed, the spirit doctors do that, and then the archangels. So it's um, it's psychic, it's like psychic surgery, and psychic surgery can mend and heal mental constructs, uh, can remove ghosts and remove uh, limiting beliefs. And so I work with a spirit team. I'm just the facilitator, but it uses the energy within my body. So instead of using the pendulum, uh, I can do it 
through intention and heart-based energy, which is powered off my DNA and my white light within my body. But that takes a long journey to get there. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. And, you know, you, you've hit a crucial point there too, because earlier I talked about, you know, the, the physical defects and, you know, the autism, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, mental health, and, and it's a big thing in the world at the moment. So it's great that you mention it because it's something that people do need to look at. And even if they are, you know, I mean, not everybody's maybe born with mental health issues. They develop over time, circumstance, whatever. And, you know, and there's not as much help necessarily um, as there used to be. Um, so it is another way that people can look at. And do you work with people like that now? Yes, yes. So mental health is the biggest component of any of any issue. And the only way, in my opinion, and uh, with all due respect to everybody else, the only way to to deal with mental health issues is at a spiritual level. Okay. Because okay. we have to understand, we have to understand energetically and across all lifetimes, what have you been facing mentally? You know, it's hard to be a human being, and our experiences form belief systems, our experiences cloud our judgments, our experiences form our identity in the world and we come to believe things that aren't true about ourselves. And so what this work does so brilliantly and beautifully is says, I see you, I see what you've had to go through, no matter whether you think it's really large or not, it is what it is for you. And I honour you as a soul and I say, let me help you so that you can come back and take charge of your life, feel relief. Don't feel that you have to escape through substances or medication or whatever because when we medicate ourselves, yes, I understand they're going to be extreme cases and no, I'm not saying don't use um, medicine, but there is so much that can be healed spiritually for people on the mental level because we have a whole mental body yeah that's what it's there for and we can easily identify mental issues in the mental body um and so if we just take a tablet or an antidepressant it what it actually does is it doesn't let you feel the emotions it numbs you and so you can't be looking out for the indicators your negative emotions are your best friends because they help you say this is not a state of joy. This is not a state of love. This is a negative feeling. I'm trying to warn you, help you, and show you the path out. So we have to make friends with the dark side of ourselves because it has the message of healing within it. Yeah. I'm going to always look at, not necessarily with a favourable light, but people like Hitler and Ted Bundy, I'm going to be thinking about them on a different level now and thinking, you know, uh, what was in their in their past lives? What made them like this? You know, obviously, I'm I'm talking like I'm perfect. I'm not, but um, you know, I we always look at the most extreme cases when we're thinking of these things, don't we? Like, what could possibly yeah. have driven these people to do those things? And and there is mental illness there. Now, most of us wouldn't have it on that level, but um, God, I'm loving this. Well, if we also look at if we also look at Hitler just for one second, I don't want to go into him too much, but he was a very large user of cocaine and drugs. What? See, I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I only discovered that myself uh, when my son started studying it in at school and I was reading the academic papers. I was like, I never knew that. And so as soon as you start using that, then you're opening, you're dropping your immune system. 
Um, and he grew up in an abusive childhood, an abusive right. house. So I'm not excusing his behaviour, but I'm saying no. that there are some things there that then you're inviting in negative thought forms, you become negative and um, it, it compounds, right? Uh, he also had this very strong sense of injustice, okay? So he was angry about the way Germany was treated and I'm not, I'm not defending what he did, but some people don't use the messages of anger as a way to reflect and find a, a, a message for themselves and what way that, like in this world it's really important to understand what we are mad about that we can directly control change and be a positive impact in the world those things that are outside of our control that we need to learn to let go on you know like we're here for a certain thing and we can't be involving in our energy in everything on the planet we have to know what's ours and where we need to pray and direct energy and help pray that other people will be working on that so um if you look at your anger and only ever just let it fester to anger to the point where you then decide you have to take action at all costs, irrespective of what's going to happen, then that's what the sorts of things that happen is that uh, instead of using the anger with wisdom, they let the anger take over and control and you can never get the wisdom when you're in the heat of the moment. That's so true. Wow, I could talk about this forever because like this has just opened a whole new path of thinking for me. I'm going to be up all night on the iPad. <laughs> um, can I ask you one more question before I let you go? Because um, this um, just jumped out at me. And for those listening, I will have a link um, to Katisha's website in the description box attached to this podcast. And on there, she has a list of um, some of the obstructions that people may notice in themselves or what symptoms they're displaying. One that jumped out at me that I wanted to ask you about is the extended complicated grief, which spans more than eight years. Okay, Ooh. because, you know, the majority of the people that would be listening to the podcast would have experienced grief on some level, whether it's a family member, a pet, whatever. Um, and, you know, to some extent, we, we do grieve forever, you know, and I've always Ooh. used the, the term that we don't get over it, but we get used to living with it. So I'm just wondering what your take is on this and do you, you know, because this is going to be very relevant to a lot of people that are listening, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, my take is based on personal experience. Okay. So my father died um, from prostate cancer at age 63. Okay. So he was diagnosed at, yeah. at um, terminal and died eight months later. Okay. Uh, I was at his bedside, saw his last breath and, um, he didn't go to the light. So it took me, <laughs> sorry to laugh, but it took me 11 years to figure that out. That out. And um, as I was learning about and learning my mediumship skills and interacting with ghosts, I failed to see the signs. And it's only now that I'm looking back at recordings where I've um, spoken to ghosts that I've realized where my dad is trying to communicate with me. And it just make, breaks me down. Like I have a recording of him telling me, I'm the man that's in the photo upstairs. Oh. Get out of the house. There's a demon in here. And like, that was a recording three years ago. Um, and it, it was until that I realized that he hadn't crossed that I realized that that's why my grief was so extended and why my mother was grief was so, so extended and why my sister's grief was so extended. Now only my sister knows about the fact that he didn't cross, but because it would just 
just not <laughs> something that is even fair to talk to my mother about. But so he attached to me. He attached to me because he was angry at the way that his life ended so early. You know, he didn't get to retire and uh, he just, he, and all the sorts of things are going forever about that. But the physical symptoms of his attachment led to, led to um, panic attacks for me. Um, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would vomit until the sun came up. Um, and, uh, basically he was trying to protect me from all the beings that were around me. And I, um, only realized that it's linked to my ancestors. I, as a small girl, I went to visit my, my relatives took me to a cemetery and all of my Irish ancestors attached to me mm-hmm. and they had attached to them all of their Irish ancestors who died in the potato famine. And um, my dad was trying to get the message to me and to help me. Most ghosts that attach, most people that don't go to the light, the reason they don't go to the light, to answer your question, is because they feel regret, anger, sadness. They try to um, protect a loved one. So maybe a loved one, I said a a loved one has got something around them and they're trying to help them. They can't protect you. Uh, Or they, you know, they really regret the relationship they had and they want to make it up with you. And I've had so many conversations with people who haven't crossed the light saying, but I thought I could help them. And I'm like, no, you're draining their energy. Um, you're putting the disease that that person that you have into their system. They can't heal and grieve. You need to go and be healed. And once you go to the light, you have the choice to come back as a spirit guide. So I know this because now that my father has gone to the light and I crossed him over, um, he comes back and helps me. Mm-hmm. And so the powerful thing for people to say is, are you holding your loved one back? If you are not moving on, your energy is pulling them down. So I've had many ghosts describe to me, they tried to go up to the light and, and, and their living, mourning family energetically pulled them down. No, I can't live without them. No, I can't survive. No, I can't be with them. And they will try time and time to go up but they will be pulled down by the weight of your grief. And, um, you know, I have many sessions of this example on the podcast where the grief of um, somebody, they've decided to stay with their child and I've interviewed them and said, look, you're really energetically draining them. Oh, that was not my intention, you know, and um, as soon as they move on to the light, there's this massive feeling of relief. The sorrow is gone and... um, you're able to heal that grief very quickly. You are able to heal that grief very quickly. And and people who don't believe me, you just have to trust a medium to say that you can communicate with them in the afterlife, yeah? Oh, yeah, 100% because I communicate with them all the time. But I've never, um, and I'm not disagreeing with you because we both have different experiences and I think unless you experience something, you know, you don't understand it. I've never... Um, you know, in all my years, and I've been seeing spirits since I was a little child, um, had anybody who's never crossed over to the light, you know, and even mm. though people here have been grieving for them, and maybe it's it's just these individual people, and it's maybe it's just something that I haven't experienced. But, you know, they're aware, um, in my experience, they've been aware of the grief, and they've been around us to try 
and um you know alleviate some of that to you know give us some healing from them you know just be near us because of course we forget sometimes that they're grieving too you know and you mm. know, that, that they miss us just as much as we miss them but um in my experience you know that they've always crossed over and they've been looked after but they do obviously come back okay um but you know again only in my experience like that we haven't really held them back but i can understand their attachment to the life i mean especially when you talk about your um dad he was only 63 years old and that's so young because we work so hard as you said to get to a retirement age and i have a relative of my own who died at just 31 in a motorcycle accident and um he came to me initially i was only a teenager when he died and he came to me initially in those early weeks and then he disappeared for several years because he was working on himself because he couldn't accept that his life in his prime you know he was cut down and all the rest of it so yeah i can understand everything that you're saying we look at it from different angles but we we see the same thing a hundred percent you know you have to understand also that my purpose of my incarnation is actually to yeah. was to cross over all of my own crossover lives mm-hmm. and then to help people in my monad to do that and then to help the world understand about ghosts so i'm going to see more of that than anybody else but i will okay. tell you and no disrespect to any medium um that <laughs> spirits will deceive you they will tell you till they're black and blue in the face that they have crossed over and they haven't a small proportion of them. I have had discussions recorded live on the podcast where the participant will swear on their life that their grandmother had gone to the light and I can see the energy and I can say, no, this energy is too strong. This is not the representative energy of a crossed over healed being. And I will ask that being that human being a series of questions in the end they'll say yeah you got me yeah i am still yeah. here so i'm too scared to go experience. yeah yeah and they'll say i'm too scared to go and i'll say okay why are you scared because it's the fear of death that is what holds them back as well and they'll say well because i've been told since i was a small child that i was born in sin blah 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 blah. i've had nuns that were not crossed over isn't that amazing mr hell I've missed saying the Hail Mary on whatever, uh, you know, I'm a sinful child. And this whole belief in a purgatory or a hell, they are afraid. I cannot tell you how many I've interviewed um, that are afraid of going to the pearly gates or whatever they believe in and then being sent back down. And what it is, is hell is a state of mind. Okay, hell is the astral realms where all beings who are afraid of death are located. Yeah. And so you are in a self-created hell. It's a mental construct. It's a mental state, the astral realms, because that is where if you have a whole bunch of people who are too afraid to go to the light, stuck mentally because that's all they are, they're just mental beings now, what are you doing? You are creating an environment where there's only darkness, there's only fear, there's only sadness, there's only grief, there's only unhealed, wounded people. So what happens then? You're creating massive thought forms. And that's where you get the demons, the hell beings who are there. And guess what? If you've done anything negative in your life, your mind is thinking, oh, I can't go to heaven or whatever you want to call it because I did this, this, and this. All right? So then you're attracting more negative energy towards you. 
And so until we get rid of the fear of death, firstly, and the disbelief of the fact that you don't go on, that you're more than just this one incarnation, we will continue on earth to have people who manifest themselves as an earthbound spirit or ghost because they don't believe there is anything else. Until we have the nihilistic view gone, yeah. then we will continue to have it. And that's why it's really important for people like you who are mediums to get the message out that there is life beyond so that people get less afraid of death. Sure. You um, don't just have one time to do what you need to do. Yeah. And as a Roman You don't have Catholic, to be a superhero. You know, as a Roman Catholic, I think, you know, what I do really is kind of at odds with what um, my priest would probably say to me if I asked his opinion on it. But, you know, um, you have to do and exactly the way you did. You have to follow where you're guided, you know, and if you feel guided to help people, well, then sometimes you've got to follow it, haven't you? So, I mean, that was a huge yeah. step for you because you were in a very logistical career, you know, an academic career. And people were like, are you mad? <laughs> you know, I'm sure they were are you mad. You're in a good pensionable job. You can retire when you're whatever age and you're going doing this for a living. But it's so important. It really is. And thank you so much for sharing all this with us today, because I know I've taken up a lot of your time, um, but we, I really appreciate it. So I am going to post the link, as I say, to Katisha's website in the description box attached and um, also to her podcast, because I know a lot of us are going to go and listen to that now. And if uh, you wouldn't mind, um, Katish, just sending me the link to that. You had a book about that gentleman that worked in Brazil. I'd love to publish that link for people mm -hmm. to have a look at that also. And um, after that, then they can contact you with any questions through your website. Is that OK? Yes, and please don't take what I say as truth. I'm, you know, your knowing, your intuition is the most important. Take what you will from this and discard the rest. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's so true for everything that we experience in life. Take what you need from it, leave the rest behind. Yeah. Yeah. So, Katish, thank you so much. I know it's very early um, at the time that we're recording here. It's evening time in Ireland, but it's very early morning in Australia. And it's also summertime, which makes me very jealous. But thank <laughs> you so much for your time. And um, I hope we see you again on a future episode of Life After Life. Um, but for those listening, thank you for tuning in also. And I will see you next week in the next episode. Until then, take care and stay safe. Discussing everything about the afterlife and spirit.